You're listening to episode 101 of Caucasus Talk, your source for culture, history, and tourism in the North Caucasus mountains of Russia. I'm your host, Andrew. And I'm your host, Eli. We have had probably our most successful approach, our most successful series is in their own words, which is a zoom in on the different people groups of the whole North Caucasus through interviews with people from those language groups and ethnicities. Our listeners have loved it, Andrew. It's been, I would say, actually, you you literally stole my intro. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. We're so coordinated. Read my mind. But uh, that has been, more than anything else, the top piece of feedback we've gotten from our listeners is we want to hear from more local people. You know, no one ever asked me, you know, to share more in my own words. I don't know. I don't know what that is, uh, but I don't take it personally. Eli talk more? No, actually, I have not heard that feedback. No, that's not um, happening. <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, this year, Eli, we made it a personal goal. Let's make it, let's try to get more of the Dagestani nationalities onto the podcast and it's happening. I'm pumped. It's not easy. People who I don't, some I'm sure of our listeners know this, but others may not. There are uh, roughly 45 official language groups. And that is a conservative estimate throughout the whole North Caucasus. And at least 34 of those 45 are solely in Dagestan. So right. that means that there's a, a profusion of small uh, number of like small population language groups just in Dagestan. So to try, to try and get uh, interviews in their own words, it takes a lot of legwork. But Andrew, you've done an amazing job. So I'm really excited about how this is going. Connections of connections. Yeah, that's um, <laughs> So, yeah, we've got uh, a our first guest from southern Dagestan. Uh, which is really its own world, like we're going to talk about today. But representing the Tabasaran people, give it up for Marat. Woo! Welcome to the virtual studio, Marat. We're so glad to have you. Hi, everybody. I'm also glad to hear you and to join this conversation, this interview. Thank you. Yeah. In advance. <laughs> Absolutely. So I think I think I'm ready. I'm ready, and I want. Uh, to represent this Tabasaran uh, nationality, Tabasaran ethnicity, and Tabasaran region. Excellent. So I have, I've got just a strong question to start with here, Marat. You live in Derbent, correct? Yes, I live in suburbs of Derbent, and uh, I I can say that I live in Derbent, and uh, uh, the whole my uh, entire life, I work in Derbent, actually, every day. Okay. Great. So first question, is Derbent the best city in Dagestan? Is it better than Majkala? Dems. It's a dangerous uh, question. Absolutely terrible question. <laughs> uh, yes, I, I'm not afraid to say that it is yes. It oh, is, I like it. I think it's Let's the best go. city in, in Dagestan. In Dagestan, because yeah, you get the best impressions in Derbent if you visit it. All right. I will say Derbent was the first city I ever heard of in Dagestan. You know, this this historical UNESCO heritage site and the, the crepes, the citadel that's there. And um, so it does have a reputation. But Kizliar, Mahachkala, Buinaks, you guys have been put on notice. 
<laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, of course, Marat, um, I was kind of joking with that question, but, but Derbent is an awesome city. Um, so why don't you, let's start. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, who are you? You said you grew up in the suburbs of Derbent, uh, rocking, rocking the suburbs of Derbent there. Um, and then what kind of work are you doing now? Uh, uh, as for me, I am. I, I was born in actually close to Durban in the city Dagestanski Agni. It's like a, a twin. Uh, it's a, like a satellite city uh, right. for Durban, and uh, and I was born here and worked and lived uh, all my life here. And uh, I finished school in Dagestanski Agni. Then I entered university, State Pedagogical University, the Faculty of Foreign Languages. Uh, it was in uh, 2002. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, from, uh, from that period, I, was, uh, I began, I started my career as uh, an English teacher uh-huh. and uh, was working at, at universities, uh, mostly in Durban and branches of some Russian universities and in Durban universities, you know, it's a kind of little Oxford for Dagestan. Oh, we had more than 30, 30 kind of colleges and universities in Durban and still wow. we have like 20. Yeah. Now, <laughs> and, uh, but uh, recent years I changed my mind. I found out that, uh, I'm, I found of tourism, uh, traveling, and uh, little by little, I was uh, turning to uh, the direction of tourism. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, now I work as a, a tourist guide, as a, uh, and I work and in, uh, in tourist center now in the center of tourism in Durban. Great. Uh, recent recent months. Okay. So I'm assuming because you're such a good English speaker, do you get to interact with foreigners pretty regularly who are visiting Durban? Yes, uh, sometimes I do now, but you know, now it's uh, because of pandemic, sure. we have problems with the foreign. But uh, before uh, before COVID, uh, I, I, I met a lot of a lot of tourists, a lot of travelers, mostly all over the world, because I was in a couch surfing uh, oh. program network, and I, I met them uh, from from all over the world, and uh, I had a good uh, uh, opportunity mm-hmm. to deal with uh, travelers, uh, to meet them, to host them, to provide them. Uh, places uh, to stay in Durban, uh, especially I give them my flat, uh, invited them to my homes, home, and uh, or ask some local people to organize, uh, to give them some kind of shelter while they, they were traveling. <laughs> and, and it gave me a good experience for me uh, to travel. And yeah. you know, I several years I did, it, I did that and uh, Took no money. It was uh, from me like a gesture of hospitality. Wow! wow. And, uh, but now, and now it it this uh, this experience helped me to get a guide, tourist guide. Now I'm 
a good, well-paid guide, and uh, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> that's important. Was a prehistory of my work. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, man, this is at least our second couch surfing host we've had. Yeah, Eli, at, at least second. The there was our Chechen or our. Uh, uh, yeah, I was. We were uh, just going to say, Marat, we uh, we had the first ever couch surfing host from Grozny, Chechnya. That's right. On our show, so we love that you did that as well. And I mean, you guys, those of you in the Caucasus who were doing that, you know, in the '90s into the 2000s, especially the 2000s and on, you really laid a foundation for what now has become just this huge wave of international people visiting the region because right. it wasn't like that 15 years ago. And just you welcoming the one and the two and the three groups of three people now has opened the doors to the rest of the world. So well done on that. Agreed. And, and I have to say that was um, I was a single uh, couch surfer in Durban, and they all found me, and I wow. uh, took all the pressure of a tourist uh, current on me on my shoulders. On your <laughs> and couch. I gave him in. <laughs> Well, I was a single and only in Durban, and wow. I gave an interview on tele- on television, uh, trying uh, to find help from local people. But you know, they cut these words and make some other reporting in, t- in TV without <laughs> my appe- appealing. <laughs> they, they, in, uh, finally, they it was uh, not not the, the the subjects that I wanted to. Uh, <laughs> Think wow. about they make it a quite different interview. Right. Yeah. And well, you you did your part, and I just have to commend you for that because you know in English we'd say you were an early adopter. Essentially, you know, people in Durban and Dagestan and the Caucasus have always been hospitable, but you took this new technology, uh, couch surfing, and you embraced hospitality through that, and that was probably for so many people it was so new they didn't know what to do with it, and you kind of led the way forward. So well done on that. Um, tell us, uh, Marat, um, I want to start with Doug, with Derbent. We're going to move into more about the Tabasaran people, but Derbent is a fascinating place. This is actually our first time recording live from Derbent. We often are live from Mahachkala. That's right. Um, but Southern Dagestan really is a totally different world from central or Northern Dagestan. Um, what it's like, the different ethnicities there. Can you tell us a little bit about Southern Dagestan and how it's different from other parts of, of Dagestan? Truth to be told, it's, you know, in, in total, uh, if, we, if we take this picture in total of Dagestan, it um, it's may seem uh, the same for, for those who are not in Dagestan. Mm-hmm. But if right. we... Uh, Emerge inside, inside all the regions of all the parts of Dagestan, and you can say every village is different. It's also been huh. true. It's also true. And uh, and you know these three parts you divided Dagestan like uh, southern, central, and northern. Yes, uh, somehow they can be uh, distinguished, divided like that. And uh, maybe maybe if the first uh, that uh, appears in my mind it is. Uh, that uh, people, the, the question of people, maybe because they seem more uh, milder, maybe more hospitable, maybe uh, 
oh. more quiet like that. It's uh, it's huh. it's a question of that maybe, and and, uh, and really really more hospitable. And when uh, when we can, uh, for example, judge by tourism, yes, work and touristic sphere and touristic field. For example, when uh, some people from uh, abroad can uh, come to uh, northern Dagestan. Mm -hmm. The rules are more strict there, and uh, people uh, also ask uh, or order people to obey these rules. Mm -hmm. But in southern Dagestan, it's not the same. It's more milder, I would say, if it is, if it is correct word. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, more quiet. And uh, so people uh, do not try to uh, put their opinion or incline people sure. to, to do what they want to do. Thanks for so kind of walking uh, us through that. that. Yeah. Can you speak to, I think for our listeners, this would be really interesting to understand. You know, if you look at a, um, a ethno-linguistic breakdown of Dagestan, you know, there's, you can find these images on the internet. I know like in the Mahachkala area, for example, of course you'll find people of all ethnicities there, but, the main ones are some of the larger majority people groups, right? Avars, Kumuks, um, Dargin. maybe Dargins. Um, and I know kind of in that lowland area between uh, like Kaspisk, kind of south of Machkala, there's more Dargins. But what are some of the, really their bent is made up of totally different ethnic groups from Machkala and, you know, further north in Dagestan. What would be some of the main different uh, ethnic groups native to the Durbent region that you would come across? Uh, I, concerning to Durbent, uh, it, I can say that um, three main ethnic groups are uh, Lesgin, uh, Tabasarans, and Azerbaijans, Azeris. And, mm. um, and they took uh, uh, maybe equal part of the population, the cor correlation maybe. Okay. Right. In in quantity, but we uh, have other ethnicities. Uh huh. Like what well, else? We have a lot of more ethnicities here, but this mostly uh, they presented here, uh -huh. and also a small part of Russians and Jews, and uh, they are not simultaneous. You, you know, if we, if local people, Dagestani people, are not specially prepared, uh, didn't specially. Uh, learn some uh, languages that we totally don't understand each other languages uh -huh. yeah. if we're not uh, kind of prepared or learn these languages right yeah that makes sense um so marat i know uh people in dagestan have told us before when you meet a dagestani they'll often ask you what is your kind of ancestral region? Where are your ancestors from? Where do your parents or grandparents or great-grandparents come? Uh, can you tell us, like, is there a specific region in the mountains uh, or even a specific village? Or have your has your family been there in the lowlands for a long time? My grandparents, parents, and grand-grandparents, they lived in, uh, in a village uh, in Tabasaran district. Uh, okay. But... Uh, in 1970s, uh, they moved to Plain, 
close to Caspian Sea in gotcha. Dagestanska Agni and uh, built a house and stayed there. But uh, my ancestors are from Tabasaran region and lived there quite a long time. Do you do you still have relatives who live up in the Tabasaran region or have kind of all your family immigrated down towards the coast now? Some parts of uh, our relatives live in uh, Mahachkala. My cousins, uh-huh. some of my cousins live in other uh, uh, cities of Russia, like Astrakhan and uh, some other cities. Uh-huh. But most uh, quantity of my relatives uh, remained in village and they work in Tabasaran district mm-hmm. this village stay there and um, it uh, and uh, there is a lot of quantity you know my my grandfather had four wi- wives not simul- simultaneously but one by one <laughs> wow one after one after one and i had a big quantity of cousins <laughs> i'll bet wow and they if we sweep together all my relatives of, of my grandfather so it would be a kind of small village <laughs> if we gra- grab them together oh and my. settle in one place. We, we can settle a new village. <laughs> so with your cousins, would you speak Tabasaran or Russian? Uh, you know, sometimes we speak Russian and sometimes we uh, speak uh, Tabasaran. Mostly we can speak Tabasaran, yes. When we mm. meet together... And you know, the situation is that uh, every generation are losing these uh, uh, language skills. Yeah. Because uh, it's uh, when, while, especially those who move to cities, uh, to big cities, move away from Tabasaran district, mm-hmm. where they where have the, where, where they have no possibility to communicate with, while they are children. And you know the, for example, in my family, we we are um, we are multilingual family. My mother is a Tabasaran Azeri, and I speak, I talk, I speak with her Azeri language. Mm-hmm. I talk to my father with uh, Tabasaran language. Wow! And uh, with our guests, we you, we use Russian language. Sure. So this multilingual lingualism in uh, in our family and you know i have two sons and uh, with my first son i began uh, using tabasara language from his birth while he was a uh, newborn child yes. i began speaking him like I, like I say pouring the language in his ear oh wow <laughs> so he could well, he is sensitive to languages, so he right. could, uh, well, so he could remember, uh, live something in his head, and this helped him because, in, while my father was alive, he also used to uh, speak Basra language while he was a, uh, this, my son was a little child, and now this uh, make uh, good for for him, and uh, mm-hmm. here can understand he can use somewhere but um, my little son he's three or four years younger than him uh-huh. he totally misunderstood uh, the Basra language and uh-huh. while uh, in in school they are, they are taught they are taught the Basra language but that uh, it hasn't any effect and uh, his uh, language language skills are i can say 
has no language skills. And she sometimes uh, uh, learns some rhymes, some poetry uh, in Tabasar language. But uh, he learns it, I don't know how to say in English. In Russian, we say the Tarabarshina, like, uh, like, bar, 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 like that. He doesn't understand. It's just, just. Yes, just sounds. Just the just sounds. sounds. And he gives away the sounds, like, ah. without, without understanding what he's speaking, what he's uh, oh. remembering. All right, so I have a couple questions. You said that he is learning Tabasaran in school? Yes, they have uh, less Tabasaran lessons in school. Aha, uh-huh. so it's not a Tabasaran, uh, it's not a Tabasaran some... program where everyone speaks Tabasaran. There's just one part, like one class. No. In, in town schools, uh, everybody speaks Russians, yeah. Russian. And, uh, you know, I, uh, as for me, I also... Uh, I also had an ex- experience of the Basra language in my childhood because uh, in, uh, we say it, uh, when we live in the city, we live in uh, private part of city, as we say, where in streets we have private houses, everybody. And the, every street was uh, settled by one ethnicity because, oh, for example, we have wow. one street where live the Basra languages. We have the Huh. The next street, they live Aguz close to us. Sure. The next street, they live Azeris live, and they when they live together, they can experience uh, uh, languages, and it makes uh, good uh, a big help for those children to learn these languages, and uh, for for future wow. is uh, a good experience. Yeah. And, and uh, for future, it is good experience, and. Uh, uh, now people, um, we are losing these uh, language skills in families, language uh, conversations, language talks uh, in our families. And uh, it is uh, not presented on- only in streets where children play together. They uh-huh. use uh, Russian language now because uh, TV, uh, mobile phones, yeah. they're involved in them and uh, there's uh, no uh, hint of uh, national languages there. so you said that you with your first son you poured the language into his ear did you act differently with your second son was it harder to do that uh, yeah as we in short if we, if we could uh, say that uh, i didn't pay attention to him mm-hmm. uh, in this language station you know i'm a teacher of english uh-huh. language sure and ah. i'm a, i'm a kind of linguist yes i can say but uh, you know, I did. Uh, I didn't pay any attention to my to my children, to my family, trying to pass my knowledge to my sure. children. But my uh, uh, eldest son does well. He uh, in his English vocabulary is in uh, in good position as uh-huh. a good lexicon. Wow! And uh, also uh, well understands Tabasaran language, but my. Uh, the younger son is mm-hmm. uh, doesn't deal good well with uh, languages. languages. You know, Andrew and I both have several children. I have five. Andrew has four. And um, maybe maybe this is a little bit what you're saying, uh, Marat. But I can definitely say, <laughs> you know, the more kids you have, it's easy to um, 
Well, let me put it this way. With our first child, we were very intentional about certain things, you know, and it's your first child and you're, and you're aware and you have the energy. And then (laughs) as you have more children, things change. (laughs) And some of that, you know, focus, uh, well, it gets spread out by, you know, naturally, not by fault necessarily, but, and so by the third child, second child, third child, you know, our, our fourth child, he's three now, and we, we're always saying like, oh man, he's eating things and watching things that his older siblings never would have seen at that age for years to come. And it's just sort of like kind of how it goes. So it really takes a sustained focus, I think I, I'm oh, here, yeah. I hear you saying, that um, it's very normal for, to struggle with that, you know, as a parent. I, I can relate to that. Yeah. That's true, that's true. Murad, you had a knowing look on your face. And just to clarify for our listeners, like you said, I didn't pay attention to my second son with this. You were you were not saying you didn't pay attention to your son. You were saying you didn't focus on making sure you only spoke to Basar and to him. Right. Because I think that could be lost in translation. Right. Um, but uh, you were pouring other languages into his ear, English and, yeah, and whatnot. For sure. Um, this is really interesting. I, what I want to see, I've never seen this, Eli, but I would love to see a map of Derbent and all the different streets, oh. which, which languages wow. are, are kind of the, a, the language a, of a choice. A philological fascinating. linguistic survey map of Derbent. Yeah, that's really cool what you said. Different streets are settled by different language groups. And that makes total sense. You know, it gets mixed up over time, but uh, like that could be like a, a niche as a real estate agent. If uh, with Dagestanis moving there, you well, know, the Tabasaran streets, the Agul streets, yeah, the I mean, streets. American cities were like that a generation ago. You know, you had the Italian neighborhood, you got the Irish neighborhood, uh, you, you know, it, it, like New York. All you got to do is watch West Side Story. Like that's very that was very typical, you know, of, of these cities being settled. So I can I can see that. Cool. Well, Murat, tell us a little about the Tabasaran yes, uh, ethnic group, the Tabasaran people. Obviously, the Caucasus, like we said, has at least forty five uh, ethnic groups. Many of them possess similar qualities of hospitality and honor, um, you know, respect for the elderly, but each group is unique. So tell us what makes the Tabasaran people unique as far as their language, their customs, their traditions, etc. Yes, uh, really, the first, uh, the first two things when we uh, talk about Tabasaran is uh, really, is a, it is a language and uh, uh, traditions and handiworks. Concerning to language, in uh, uh, saying shortly, it is uh, we can say it is one of the most complicated languages in the world, wow. and in some positions, it is in records of Guinness books. It also was, but for example, gram- grammatical cases we can count them from forty-eight to fifty-six grammatical wow. cases. It is. <laughs> I just have to. We just have to pause. I have to pause because we have a lot of American and English speaking listeners. So, when we're talking about grammatical cases, I mean, uh, technically English has a few. It's it's all about preposition. You know, in English language, there are uh, two grammatical cases in for pronouns and nouns, and uh, for in in uh, uh, German language, there are four cases. Grammar in Russian, there are six. 
yeah. cases, drama cases, and uh, and uh, it's 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 all about it is, and I can say it is because of uh, prepositions and postpositions uh, like that. Uh. Because in English language we use prepositions. For example, uh, like in like we say uh, the map of Andrew, uh, and we can change it Andrew's map like that. Yes, right. Uh, it is. It is the same situation, and okay. Uh, okay. I think in Tabasara language we don't use these uh, prepositions. Okay, so instead of saying, instead of say, when I say that's Andrew's map in in Russian, let's take that step. I, I would change, I would change the word Andrew. I would say that's that's map like. Of Andrew, but of Andrew would be, would be would be one yeah. word instead of of so. English speakers, we do the okay. This is helping. We do this with prepositions all the time. Like I'm going to a place. This is from a place. Uh, this is of someone's or from or in or whatever. All of those are packed into a single word, and the word itself changes instead of attaching prepositions around the word. So we complain to our our family and friends that when we <laughs> learn Russian, it's just so crazy because we have to learn six cases and those cases have plural and singular and they've got masculine and feminine and neuter. And so that's six cases. And you're saying in Tabasaran there yep. are between 48 and 56 cases. Yes. yes. Uh, uh, scientists still uh, didn't agree <laughs> on this quantity. <laughs> still, oh my goodness. Still, it's like, it's still Pluto a planet. <laughs> still, still investigating it. And by wow. the way, Tabasaran, some Tabasaran words may have more than uh, 250 forms. For example, in English my language, uh, all verbs have only four forms, except uh, have, has, and uh, to be. Uh, M is where, like, uh, for example, verbs. That, uh, in Russian, there are also. Uh, a lot of forms, but in Tabasaran they can uh, reach up to two hundred and fifty forms of of one verb uh, of noun. I don't feel example. so bad for your second son anymore. It's like, oh, uh, struggling I've, I've with Tabasaran. <laughs> okay, I've had, I've had this has been a very common experience to me where I've met an English teacher in the Caucasus who English is their second or third language but they can explain the rules of it better to me than I can to them. So I'm actually really glad you're here. You're helping our, our listeners understand their own language. My attempt at getting into <laughs> grammatical cases didn't go very far. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, if we, if we turn, uh, turn our discussions to uh, sounds, you know, in, in Tabasaran language, there are some sounds like uh, they have uh, four ways of pronunciation. For us, there are four different sounds. For example, in English, we have sound ch, like champion. Right. In in Tabasaran language, we have four kinds of this uh, oh. sound. Like, I I will try to pronounce them clearly. <clears throat> We're listening. Well, first, it's like Eng English ch. Ch. It was ch. The second ch. Ch. The third is. The force is <laughs> <laughs> and, got it. And we uh, and with the 
it and you can change uh, the meaning of the word if you mispronounce this uh, so words. i have two questions then is this like in russian one of the things that uh, english speakers struggle with is the l because there's tvordi and miaki and our l there's a hard l and a soft l in russian but i think our english l is kind of a a middle l and so we either have to do l or l but we're used to is it like that where in like in russian there's there's a hard l and soft l but in tabasran there's actually four of these <clears throat> same idea hard, hard english quite hard soft and quite uh, soft uh, uh, english l is hard l okay or like we say charles charles uh -huh, yeah we, want, we like to say like charles charles, charles dickens we uh -huh. say uh, and uh, for us it's not problem for dagestana people so, right. for example, we also had some sounds like uh, her, and uh, that's why Russians say, help me, help, right, hoch, like, right. uh, huh, in, huh. in German, but we have no problem, we have the same sound, huh, and we say, we have the sound, ah, and uh, we can easily pronounce animal without any problem. Right, but, but Russians say an animal, or animal, animal, animal uh -huh. yes. Yes, yes, it's a Russian pronunciation, and we uh, we uh, put on this uh, Russian uh, pronunciation <laughs> in our in our tabas, uh, still having our own skills, mm. and it's a we say it interruption, inter interfere interfere interference yeah, interference yeah, language, language, language interference language skill skill interference, but uh, it's all because of Russian teachers. <laughs> yeah, I can we, see have that. Our, we have our own languages that doesn't exist in uh, sounds, sounds that yes. doesn't exist in Russian language, right. but uh, mostly uh, presented in uh, English and in Tabasaran language. Also, in lexicology, we have some things, for example, like apple tree, uh, we say vichunhar, but in Russian language, it is one word, it is yablanya. Uh. We don't say yablanya vayadireva. We say yablanya in Russian. But in English, we say apple tree, two words, use, using two words. And in Tabasara language, we also say vichunhar, that it's uh, also, also it's an interesting thing with uh, you. You know, in English, we have, you have only one pronoun you. In Russian, we say ti and we, vi, da. Uh -huh. You uh -huh. all together uh -huh. with yeah. mm -hmm. and you, and uh, it's also in in Tabasaran we have also one uh, you. But in, for example, in German mm -hmm. language we say "ia," uh, "sie," and "and du." Du bist ja sind in sprechen sie Deutsch like that. Mm. <laughs> we use we use three three kinds of you. In, in German language oh. and two kinds in uh, in Russian language and uh, two kinds in in, in Tabasra language. Also interesting things. Wow. So, Murat, this is fascinating, this piece you got into about the languages because every Caucasus nationality makes grandiose claims about, like, we're the only nation in the world that does this, you know. But the Guinness World Book of Records has actually recognized the Tabasaran grammar uh, structure as one of the most difficult in the world. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. Yes, yes, it, it's recognized, and uh, but I think it is about uh, grammatical cases and uh, mm -hmm. all this complexity of this language. I mean, on the one hand, 
you have this, it's, you know, it's a unique outlier in the world of languages, just this incredible, uh, dazzling complexity um, that's truly unique. But to me, it also seems like how can a language like that... Um, uh, two questions, I guess. How can it survive in that complexity, and should it survive with all of that complexity? Now, should is kind of a heavy word. I don't mean I don't mean to that you're, any of us passes judgment on the language. Of course, it's beautiful, it's unique, and you know it, it exists by its own right. But in a sense, my very limited exposure to with my linguist friends, you know, many of them talk about that language is never static and never stays still and you know every language has changes but um i guess one of my one of my linguist friends says that there's a misconception that languages are degraded or go down in quality over time a lot of english speakers will say that you know oh it the language is getting you know worse or something but he says languages don't get worse because uh there's a, sort of a language well a guy named Pinkner called it a language instinct that the brain is always keeping a language doing all of the things that a language needs to do, even if it changes. Um, I could give examples from English. It's not important. But I guess my question is for you. Do you see that Tabasaran language is changing? You know, do some of the cases get lost, but it's okay? Or do people really want to retain it as it is? And if they do, how... Do you keep such an incredibly... Com- I mean, basically, it's so complex, only the child's brain can can really absorb it, you know? <laughs> like, it's, it's sort of like too complex for the adult brain to learn later in life. Yes, I think uh, language is uh, kind of some, somehow is disappearing, maybe, because uh, smaller and smaller quantity uh, use it, because a lot of people live outside of their uh, uh, national uh, of their uh, original places mm-hmm. live it in big towns and they stir and mix somehow and uh, don't use the language but now on the other side the t- uh, we have our uh, newspapers television uh, radio programs and it helps uh, it helps to leave this uh, uh, language in a proper and good position, but it's a pity that uh, language uh, Tabasaran doesn't use it in in proper way. Maybe uh-huh. I don't know. It's a, it's from one hand it's good, mm-hmm. from other hand people less speaking. And uh, by the way, I can say that uh, I proudly can say that I'm uh, the first who uh, wrote uh, a phrase book. Facebook of Tabasar and Russian Facebook. I am oh. I'm author of Facebook. Uh, wow. But Ooh. it's more than 10 years. It is ready. I have just to print and it will be printed in computer, but I forgot about it. Now I remembered. I think uh, <laughs> still to, uh, we have no Tabasar and Russian Facebook. Yes, just wow. just print button. And Andrew, would be a, we need to get Marat in touch with Magomed Magomedova, um, our linguist friend from the um, Kaitag Kaitag people group, who's doing digital. Um, he has an online digital translator between languages, Dagestani languages, 
to go, for yeah. example, from Kaitog oh, to... Oh, that's crazy. I had such a... Yes, it is crazy. And he's using a lot of that's AI crazy. and stuff that's to crazy. do it. You guys need to get together. We're going to make a connection. We need to... Eli, we need to... We need to open a new branch of our uh, caucus talk initiative, the, the publishing house to uh, print, to print projects. Andrew, like don't this. tempt me, man. That is like, <laughs> whew, that sounds good. Wow. Well, Marat, the language, so languages, yeah. I mean, we could talk about it forever. Um, mm. Let's talk about a couple more unique qualities of Tabasaran people. You mentioned carpets. I definitely want to talk about this. Tell yes. us a little about kind of the handiwork of the Tabasaran people. Uh, yes, yeah, it's a carpet. It's uh, our pride. We feel proud about our carpets because they are our old uh, handicraft. Uh, first, uh, they want to say these are unique uh, and quality, uh, good quality. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, some other nationalities, especially in southern Dagestan, are involved in uh, carpet making. But the Basarans, it's they are leaders, and uh, hmm. from they do it from I don't know from what times, from ancient times maybe, yeah. and uh, the 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 only com, com, competitors are Iranian, Ooh. but Iranian yeah, Iranian carpets that are highly valued in the world, but uh, I, about I, I can say about Iranian carpets that they are produced in uh, industrial way less yes. like yes. Uh, right a lot of a lot of carpets in fab uh, in machinery work yes and it is hand work and uh, those who uh, who deals with carpets they know that this hand works are uh, appreciable more than machinery work that's mm. why and you know there are such uh, interesting stories about carpets Hmm. Uh, that's uh, we uh, tested carpets in, uh, um, in 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 different ways. For example, it the carpet uh, after it was finished, it was put into the water, left some some time after, then put it out to watch if the colors are wasted or yes. still okay. Uh-huh. And uh, after that, it was uh, put on the floor. And uh, on the ground, and uh, uh, a, a big uh, tribe uh, of uh, horses should uh, run on this uh, carpet. After huh. that, they uh, take it's take like this a, carpet again. It's and like see our children. It has, has, yes, like children, <laughs> and they see if it is destroyed or torn or so. so. And after that, it should be say it's okay. It's a good wow. So it passes the water test and the the galloping test, and uh, you know, yes, <laughs> yes. international standards need to be created here. <laughs> yes, and it's a very hard work to make carpets. I when I was a child, I helped my sister uh, mm. to to make carpets, and you know, wow, uh, how does this uh, how this translated into English? A joint. I don't know when. When you knot, put, yeah, you uh, tie them. Tie them. Not knot. Yeah, you make a knot. Knot, knot. Yes, there are uh, in one carpet. There may be more than several million knots. Oh, oh my goodness! On one carpet, and it would. It took uh, more than half a year, or one one and a half of a year, 
to finish oh. one carpet. Wow. It, it wow. all depends on, on the size of carpet and people, uh, how many people were involved in this. Right. Maybe one woman or three women could stay stand side by side and make carpets. And they had some uh, kind of uh, what is it, uh, pa- pattern, 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 yeah, pattern, pattern, yeah. pattern, and uh, they took one each other patterns and maybe because I uh, told about a lot of a lot of knots, but some skilled, some skillful uh, carpet um, mm-hmm. women carpet makers, they they knew all these knots uh, in mind. They kept oh, in mind all these knots. Wow. Some of them, because they mostly they were repeated. Uh, uh, right. I could, if it was right. busy, I could show something. And uh, uh, but it is also big skill to do to do that. Wow. And uh, can I just? I want to intersect interject here. Um, so, Marat, my uh, first trip into the Caucasus was a long time ago, but. In Dagestan, we actually went through the Tabasaran region, and I saw up close and personal these carpet looms, and I'd never seen anything like it. So I think probably for a lot of our listeners, they've never even seen like how a person would hand make a carpet, what the equipment looks like. Essentially, it's this large piece of equipment, uh, almost the size of a wall in a normal American room, and uh there's all these balls of yarn, different colors, different kinds of yarn that are kind of hanging from the top. And then it, it really looks like the inside of a piano or an organ, just much larger, larger when you open it up and you, what do you call that? All the strings inside yeah. maybe Eli or yeah, that you would play, but pe- the ladies make the carpet on this huge loom. And so you can imagine, yeah. you know, a room size carpet, how large that piece of machinery or equipment would have to be and they they literally do it all with their hands i mean it's like you said it's not industrial production um so yeah i mean the amount of work the the intricacy of the design the brightness of the colors it it was incredible to witness how it was done and that is why they are really well known around the world so Mm. it's 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 truly a unique thing and uh, what what should i add more when you say about this picture of this uh, carpets, uh, in uh, in recent times, uh, these women could get some information about these uh, uh, pictures that was uh, not on this carpet. They could uh, they could read uh, the information from this carpet. Now it is kind of lost. Only the skillful uh-huh. uh, carpet makers know about this because. For us, it's just some hooks, some crosses, some circles, yes. some stars maybe. But for them, it was like a history of uh, shepherds who lost his uh, sheep or uh, uh, the history of uh, a young uh, uh, young boy who fell in love with girl. It was all depicted in the carpets. But I know it's for me, wow. it's also like... A, fairy tale so you're saying that the actual designs in the carpets were a form of storytelling or a form of keeping actual history for tabasaran 
it's a kind of uh, storytelling. Maybe. Storytelling. Like, uh, and there are people fun. alive who who you think retain and still know how to create and interpret those stories, or do you feel that it's pretty well been lost? I think, yes, it's mostly you can say it's only some skillful, maybe it's, it should be investigated. Maybe some, some of the puppet makers could tell us uh, interesting about this uh, occasion, about this case. That's wonderful. Wow. So cool. Yeah, and then also, aren't there, uh, along with the carpets, which are made in all different kinds of sizes, aren't um, like kind of socks or slippers made as well by Tabasaran women? Yes, it is. It's, uh, it, it is also a popular uh, uh, way of uh, spending their free time. It's like hobby for our women, all, especially old women uh, who stay at homes and knit those socks. Uh, and uh, like maybe slippers is like, like tapachki, and uh, it's mm-hmm. very convenient. I I uh, I always take uh, a pair of uh, this uh, socks with me while traveling because they uh, um, you I, I can use them like uh, uh, slippers. I can use them if I'm if I'm cold. It's like very convenient socks yes, for right. traveling and for home. Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that's even that's really unique to that part of Dagestan because at least I live in the central Caucasus. I know when you enter a Russian person's home or a Caucasus person's home, take your shoes off and they'll have like it's kind of it's really like sandals. Tapachki or slippers or sandals. But essentially you you put your foot in them. It would be in the West it'd be like something like, yeah, night and you feel sandals com- are, you feel comfortable. Right. But in in southern Dagestan, and specifically, uh, I remember in some of those Tabasaran homes I was in, you put on these Tabasaran actual socks or slippers. You put your feet all the way into them, and they're so comfortable. <laughs> they're the most comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it is unique. Um, you but, can use them for, for fitness also and for having rest and for, uh, doing sports. It's okay. They also passed the galloping test, so they're good. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what's kind of the state of the Tabasaran region today um, up in the mountains, mm-hmm. Marat? Or I know like your family two generations ago, your grandparents moved down to Dagestansky Agni. Um, are the villages still pretty full, lively, um, or are people starting to slowly move uh, abandoning villages and move down to the lowlands where there's more work or for whatever reason it's it's a it's okay now with the basaran it's uh, it's uh, developing and uh, going on is uh, as uh, every district in uh, in Dagestan and in Russia maybe huh. but little by little it's uh, the, uh, the development grows and uh, concerning this political situation it's okay we had some uh, youth organizations like a kind of parliaments, deputies, and we uh, about modern conveniences. Uh, all uh, uh, villages in Tabasaran are uh, uh, how this correct to say gasificated. Or, hmm. They have gas. Yeah, they have gas in uh, gas. They have gas. Yeah. In, yes, in in every uh, village huh. of Tabasaran. 
now we are repairing roads making uh, putting new asphalt and it would be more convenient to get uh, to the bus runs a bit more uh, quicker mm -hmm. it will be quicker and uh, about also modern convenience in villages a lot of uh, uh, people uh, uh, cut the cattle and uh, uh, now they don't breed uh, they, a lot of families abandoned cattle breeding uh, and uh, I say they changed their uh, cattle stalls to uh, bathrooms with jacuzzi. <laughs> oh my, okay. And yes, where they have uh, hot water, cold water, can, uh, the canalization, I, I don't know what's sure. uh, correct. Yeah. And uh, uh, the uh, most, uh, the main thing is that it is the population of the Basra grows. That's why uh -huh. uh, uh, the quantity of uh, people that is in in district in the Basra district doesn't uh, le uh, lessen. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh, wow. But uh, a lot of the Basra appears in cities uh, in other regions of Russia. They are present, at, and if, for example, before. Uh, Second World War, the Basarans were 14,000. Uh, now they are more than uh, 140,000 people. Wow. Yeah, but uh, 100 years ago, it was, they are counted maybe a kind of, if I'm not mistaken, 70,000. Okay. But uh, well, during the war, they, oh, a lot of people died. <laughs> Yeah, which I mean seems to be the the case um, across the region with many ethnicities. Yeah. Um, but thanks to your your grandfather and many others, uh, it sounds like the growth rate has increased significantly in recent generations. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, it is good to hear you. You seem positive about the current state of the region. Um, well, Murat, this interview was fantastic. I think for our listeners, they learned probably a hundred percent new things, <laughs> honestly, about this small but important um, people in Dagestan. We love to interview our, to, to finish our interviews with this question. We always ask this question to our guests. If there's one thing you could tell the world about Dagestan's, Dagestan and specifically about the Tabasaran region and people, what would you like to say? Ah, uh, if, if, if I say shortly, it's... Uh... I could say that Dagestan is worth visiting. Tabasaran is worth visiting. Mm -hmm. You, you can you can hear a lot of a lot of about Tabasaran and Dagestan, maybe Russia, but um, it's better to see one time than to hear a hundred times about or to read hundred <laughs> times. Wow! Just all we didn't even ask you to say that. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I so would true. say come and come and try it and that's all yeah time and time again people like you have said uh without us twisting your arm behind your back just come and see it's worth it you you will have a great time so well said thank you 
Marat, I think you're a, a great spokesperson for the Tabasaran and good work with your own work and with your family. I hope you're not discouraged. I think your love of your people, your language uh, will have its own effects with all your children and others too. So good job. Thank you for sharing with us uh, today. It was really Thank great to hear from you. Thank you for you too, that you paid attention to this small ethnicity in this small Dagestani world. And uh, you do, you also do a great job. Thank you very much from, from the, from face of all Dagestan. Uh, yeah. uh, thank you very much. Yeah. I think people, some people will get some, some kind of knowledge, some interesting information and they would be uh, satisfied with our uh, today's our discussion, our interview. Absolutely. Well, we definitely are. So thanks again. It was our pleasure. It's really our pleasure. There are no small peoples in Dagestan, maybe small populations, but the more we get into the place, the kind of the bigger it seems to us. Listeners, the, the, it's open to you. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. If you want to support our work that we're doing at Caucus Talk financially, become a Patreon supporter. You can go to patreon.com slash caucus talk and pitch in with a few dollars a month. We have many few dollar a month supporters and everything helps. It helps us uh, keep up excellent recording as well as expand our reach in, in other ways and projects that we have in the pipeline as soon as borders uh, open up again. But reach out to us. We especially appreciate those comments and reviews on iTunes or wherever else you're listening to podcasts. So please don't be shy. Leave a comment. Click all the stars that you think we deserve. And uh, we look forward to seeing you. We really expect and hope our listeners will take the invitation of Marat and many yes. others. Uh, don't just listen to, to it, uh, but, but come and see for yourself. And when you do, we'll see you when you get it.